Hello, and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 106, Matt and Lori's story, Reboot, and your premarital questions. Hey, hey, guys, how <laughs> yeah. about this music? <laughs> uh, I am your host, Lori Creek, and we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I am alongside my favorite licensed rapper, just kidding, uh, therapist, an Argyle Rapper? No. I just can't stop. Our guy expert, my husband, Matt Creek. Hi. You would have to, like, totally, like, personality transplant to just yeah. be like, yo. Yeah, what up, guys? <clears throat> Go yes. for it. I'll... Yo, dog, yo, dog, yo, dog. Yes. Hey, Randy Jackson. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you're getting it. But we have our producer and DJ and the most professional radio voice among us. What, what? Sup, y'all. I don't, even, I don't even know. Actual cool people are listening right <laughs> exactly. now and they're like, No, they're not anymore. And turning that off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, All but right. the reason we're being extra weird is the new music. Hey, uh, we just, well, it's actually Steve's idea. It's a new sound for a brand new year. A new sound, new you, 2020 vision. Yeah. 2020 hearing. I don't know. Um, we're going to see how many times we can work that into this oh, episode. Yeah. Just burn it right down on day three um, of the new year. But so Steve said, hey, how about we go ahead with some new music, right? Yeah. 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 And I said, okay. And then you had a friend. I was like, I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> Here's a stipulation, though. What? Violins and sick beat. Yeah. yeah. Well, and some high tinkly sounds. Right. I have like, so many the different rounds of this that like Steve sent me. He's like, so I think we should up the tempo and turn down the cello and do this. And I'm like, I don't know music words. Oh, man. Can you please call me? Because I can tell you, I don't like that wonk thing. At the 22 second mark. <laughs> yes. That, like, there was a wonk. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think maybe that's still in there. I don't know. It's maybe fine. it's been mixed low. Yeah. I don't even know. But our inspo for the theme music is Australian cooking shows. Oh, so right. So I sent Steve some, like, between the brilliance, the, the group, mm-hmm. and Australian cooking shows, where I was like, at this interchange, I, you know, I, coming on. I got it. You know, I went to the link, and yeah. I scanned to that point, and I was like, this does look like an interesting show. I think I'd like to watch this. <laughs> what was it called? What's the, sh- the chef's line? Chef's line. Yeah. yeah. So some of the background in season one, that was some of our inspo. So, and by inspo, I mean inspiration. Ration. And now I can't stop saying inspo. And I'm gonna stop saying it. Got it. Okay, guys. Hello. And also Welcome. Spit. Ration. <laughs> right. Why am I saying? I don't know. It's on the internet. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Welcome to the new year, guys. If you're still with us. We see you. We love you. Thank you for being here. Uh, We have a question of the week from last week, but we're actually pushing it to our guest because we are guestless. And you can tell as we are off the rails already. Uh, But we are going to do a little reboot, as the title said, of our stories. We realized that Matt and I hadn't really shared our, like, this is why we're doing this. This is some of our background story and maybe a little bit of our marriage start. Uh, We hadn't done that since, like, season one, episode five-ish or something. What's the story, Lori, and what's the facts, Matt? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> great wow. titles. Mm-hmm. Really not great. Uh, but we do have a question of the day, year. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit last time about our word for the year, and we dove into that a teeny bit. And I, I know I said, hey, this is my my sense of, of where God's leading us in the year. I just was wondering, do you guys have any more on that? Steve, you said maybe you had a word. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. It was... 
It was intimacy. Yes. Any more on that? Well, yeah, just to clarify, intimacy with God. There you go. Right. Yeah. So just knowing him better uh, versus just knowing information about him. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited about uh, slowing down. Uh, using the pause app, mm. uh, you know, just kind of focusing on being versus doing um, and just seeing how that intimacy animates my, my action. What up? Yeah, yeah. That's a little wink at little Ken, uh, Boa there. Ken Boa. And you referred to the pause app. Uh, we've behind the scenes guys, we've actually already <laughs> recorded a couple episodes you're going to hear in the future. Uh, but we talk with John Eldridge's sons, Sam and Blaine Eldridge. And we talked to them about an app that their like team at ransomed heart out Colorado did. And it's called the pause app. Um, I think it's just pauseapp.com. If you guys look it up, you can get it for iPhone or Android. And it is so good. It just makes you chill out and just be with Jesus as mm-hmm. opposed to just do. Although our being animates our doing. Yep. Love it. That's so great, Steve. <laughs> Super excited to keep checking back in with you. Mm-hmm. And listeners who are listening, I didn't like officially ask you all for what's your word for the year. I kind of, I know in our last um, episode, we talked about what was it and how'd you guys do. So in the future months, as we did with last year, last season, uh, we'll check in with you guys, ask you, what is your word and how's it going? So you can get in on this game. We're going to ask you. We want to hear. And to do that, find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find my my new author page, Lori Krieg. Yeah, the Facebook one. Um, you can also find our Facebook Hold My Heart podcast page and my, just my regular me person page. And also on Instagram. Those are the areas I'm the most active. Matt Krieg, any more on your word for the year? You're a little wondering about it. Yeah, I, and I think I actually got a word for the year, which is pursuit. Ooh, so that's where you landed it. Yeah. Do you, any more sense of it or is it just that word at this point. I I think it it really is, okay, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, a lot of changes that have been happening for our family and the ministry and all that kind of stuff. But, but in the kind of at the core of it is just continued pursuit of God's, not just his call in my life, but his relationship in my life. And so, you know, this last year it was silence, you know, to kind of be still with him. And I I think now is the call to like, okay, let's do this thing. So awesome. I could just go on and on right now about how I've watched you grow in the last even three years. Even Steve, I bet you've seen Matt grow. Oh, yes. Have you? Yeah. Do you want to I mean, I thought he was that? a great guy to start yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, just like being here once a week and seeing your interaction with our uh, guests and yeah, just such such wisdom. Yeah, That's, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just am so proud of you because I've seen you grow so much in that. Um, and I think, you know, I did allude to this just that I had more of a picture of. Um, so I said the word storm and I was joking. I'm going to dress up like storm from X-Men, which is not true. Uh, but I think that the words are really a picture, which in the midst of storm, uh, me having this, I just see myself as like a warrior, just this focused piece and being able to in the midst of whatever storm, um, ha- just being able to, OK, this is the way walk in it. Let's keep mm-hmm. going. Uh, and I've already seen that in any projects I've been working on for 2020. I've had to just be, there's way less wing in it, I feel like, in my life. Um, just that, like, it, uh, I, you know, I listen, actually, to John Eldridge's podcast, and he keeps saying, maturity is not an option. 
And so I keep in this day and age, like we need to, maturity is not an option. We just need to be doing this, pursuing intimacy. We need to be in pursuit. I'm just pointed at Steve and pointed at Matt. Uh, But for me, just to be, okay, in the midst of the storm, you don't get to just half be half in anymore. You're either in or you're out. And so guys, thanks for being in with us, both you and Steve and Matt, uh, but you listening as well. So for the heart of the matter, I realized that we didn't really do our stories. Uh, Matt and I haven't really shared as much uh, of, of, I guess, just like our our straight journey uh-huh, uh, of our stories. We do that a lot. If you have us come and speak, we share our stories in different versions. If it's a short time that we speak, it's like alongside a biblical narrative. But if it's one of our journey while workshops, we pretty much dig into it throughout. Um, but Matt... We use now in that journey while workshop that we do, we have something that's called a heart map. And um, could you explain what that is? Again, we've, we've done something about that. One of these episodes way back in the first season about that. But we explain what the heart map is. It just kind of like the I don't know, just what is what makes up the heart, which we recognize it's an imperfect picture. But then, too, can you share your story with that visual as auditorily as you can. <laughs> this is a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. When, well, when we look at our, our journey and our story, we often focus on like, hey, here's what I did. Here's what happened. Here's the, the behavioral thing that kind of made up the story. Um, yet there's so much that goes on underneath the surface. And so the heart map kind of gets at this, this space where like, behind the behavior there there is this kind of emotional we are emotional creatures okay freeze real quick so i just said the word heart map i said this is make it as auditory as possible and this is a visual thing that we do for our our workshop i am going to post this a picture of the map that matt's talking about on the lorikrieg.com revamped new music new website uh if you guys go there to the podcast episode notes there you're gonna see a picture of the um of the map okay sorry matt so you said we focus on behaviors but there's an emotion behind it yeah and and so yeah our knee our knee jerk our default is to to focus on behavioral things especially when it's like maybe sin tendencies you know or struggles that we have we focus on this behavioral thing but um, there, there is so much emotionality behind like everything that we do. And that emotion isn't just kind of the standalone thing. And so the heart map is a way that we can kind of look at the things that we do, but not focus on the things that we do and rather instead go, go past the emotion, past this belief system, which creates the emotion and into these experiences that help to form them, you know, and, and to see that, Hey, at the core of us, we were created in the beginning with need. We're needy people. Even in the garden, like there was a need for, for affirmation, for, for purpose. God gave us a job. God gave us companionship. We need to belong. And so there's these list of core needs that we all possess. And we did a series on core needs last season. Um, You guys can find those pretty easy in the podcast archive page. It's under the core needs section. Yeah. So God has given us these good needs for things like purpose and what else? Yeah, so so things like purpose is is a big one. Like we find our purpose and and some of the stuff that we do and and our pur- ultimate purpose is to worship God, you know, to to love God, to to make disciples in in whatever mode that He's calling us to to do that. 
Um, but then we also have needs like to, to be affirmed, to belong, to be included in, in kind of our community. To um, And one that's, that's very personal for me, I feel like it's the one of mine that kind of depletes that I, that I need the most like active engagement with is, is the need to be desired, which uh, as we, we kind of define it is this need to, to, to be specifically chosen, like no pretense necessary, like you are wanted. Um, and, and some of that comes from, from my own story. Like when, when I was born, well, should I get into it or, or do you want to go to birth, babe, yeah. get it? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was born, like it was, it was a complicated pregnancy um, my, my mom was always a very small woman and, and I was coming out way too early and, and there were so many complications that, that the doctors had, had actually encouraged my mom to, to abort me for, for her own safety for, I mean, they were worried that she was going to die. Um, and my parents told me the story of my birth at a later age, like when I was, you know, youngish, three, four years old and they said it, but with this caveat that, but we never even thought for a moment about aborting you because we loved you f- from the moment we knew you were there. Yet for me as a young kid to hear doctors saying I shouldn't have been born, that people would have been better off had I been aborted. There was this instilling in me of this, this question, am I worth anything? Am I desirable? And, and that question really became kind of one of the core questions that I started asking myself. Um, and based on my own sin nature, you know, and, and my own pride, I, I started trying to meet that need in, in any way that I knew how, which, which that included things like, you know, being good at sports or finding my, my worth in, in kind of these accolades, whether it was athletics or, or school achievement. And, and they all kind of scratched the itch a little bit, but not really. And then I, one of the ways that I ended up going toward was, was sexual, was pornography. And, and I remember that started when I was getting a, a ball out of a friend's garage and I'm like reaching into the ball bin and, and all of a sudden I look up and on the wall there's a, there was a calendar and, and my friend's dad saw me look at it and saw me like kind of pause and he just asked, hey, do you like that? Do you want to take it home? Mm. And me as like a, a young kid, 11 years old, looking at him like, oh, well, I'm definitely intrigued by what's going on here. I, I had no like capacity to know like is, it feels wrong, but it's not, I don't, I don't know what's happening. And, and so talking to my parents and they're like, no, we, we don't, you're not going to bring that home. We don't do that. Mm. Um, you know, but, but inside of me, there was this sense of, I liked what I saw that, that fleshly, that sinful nature inside of me said, I, I like that. And, and so I started kind of in secret trying to figure out what all this was. Yeah. And, and my friends being the quote unquote helpful friends that they were, were along that pursuit with me. And so mm. then very quickly it went from that, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, kind of benign calendar to, to much, much, well, much more explicit stuff that, that came with mm-hmm. the advent of the internet. And, and I found myself really trapped there. And, and trying and trying and trying to say no to it and realizing like, oh, shoot, what I'm doing is very wrong. Yeah. And trying to like redouble my efforts to, to change this behavioral issue, this, this looking at porn. But when I was never addressing that heart question of do I have value? Am I desirable? And mm-hmm. so it was just this series of 
kind of behavior modification and sin management, where it was like I could say no to it for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months at a time even, but it was always there because the question was never being answered. And and as much as I was a Christian and I knew like, hey, God is the answer to all things like, you know, Jesus, <laughs> I didn't know how to connect the needs of my heart to, to Christ, to Jesus, who was the mm. author and perfecter of our faith, who is <laughs> the one by whom and for whom everything was created. Yeah. You know, and, and so... He's and, the real need. Yeah, meter he's the of real need, need meter of not just my soul, but of of everything. Yeah, yeah. And, he's your completer. Yeah, and, and so the big kind of the big aha moment for me was after years of of struggling silently in our marriage because for me getting married made it a lot harder. I wasn't ashamed before we were married because it was like, oh, well, I'm going to have this avenue at some point to be able to satisfy what I perceive to be just a sexual issue. Right. You know, but but then finding out that, hey, once we're married and after I had kind of white-knuckled it through the first year of our marriage, like thinking I was in a good place and then falling back into pornography and falling really hard mm -hmm. to the point where it became not just a struggle but an addiction, Um like every day. Like, yeah, like every day. Even though we were, you know, working with at-risk youth as missionaries in, in California, and even though I had been through seminary and been through, like I was, I had my undergraduate in, in youth ministry, and I knew all of the head knowledge about God and everything, but I had never really felt this soul-deep, heart-level, like permeating knowledge that he loves me. And he desires me. And I remember going to see a counselor in California who um, isn't even a counselor. She's like a prophet. You yeah. Know? And, and her, her goal is she's like, I'm not here crap. to counsel you. I'm here to usher you into like God's throne room, mm -hmm. which then she's like, okay, so we do this. this you whole, needed that. And, and I needed yeah. that. There was yeah. no way I would have been able to confront the like depravity of my heart and the just how flawed I was and how everything I was running to was just reinstilling the shame. I wouldn't have been able to break that cycle if God hadn't intervened. Mm -hmm. um, and so going to this place that what we do is safe place and, and visualizing myself, like walking up to Jesus, not in a courtroom, but for me, it was in this, like, there was like a field and a tree and I was under the tree, but there was this path like in the woods leading up to there. And that's where Jesus first met me. And it was like, I was this 11 year old boy just carrying these burdens and these questions of, am I worth anything? Am I desirable? Like all these lies that I just so easily believed based on my experience. And it was like through, through this kind of interaction where Jesus took all those questions from me and then just like wrapped me in a hug. And it was really kind of crazy because in that moment, in my mind, I went from being 11 to being 30. Mm. So and he it, took all those lies, that garbage. Yeah. And then he didn't see you and leave you as the 11 year old. He's like, no, you're, you're a yeah. man. And, I love and you now I love you now. And, and that was what he said to me was Matt, no, that I love you. It wasn't just Matt. I love you. Like Matt, no, like remain in the knowledge that I love you, that I desire you. Mm. And he's given me visuals since then to kind of re <laughs> reinforce that knowledge. 
Um, but it was at that moment that I started to kind of be able to turn and, and not just focus, hyper-focus on the porn issue, but focus on this issue of the heart. Yeah. That, that my need, as much as I could maybe change, like I could cut porn off, but I'd be running to something else within yeah. five minutes. More you know, and, and that I found out because once I like, well, came open to you, once I came clean to you and had this like time where you're like, you need to sell everything. You need to sell your laptop, your I think iPad, I invited your... you to, just in case people well, and, and I don't I, think I demanded it. I was like, this is how you could show me. And, I, and yeah, I, I'd love. ask you the question, like, what can I do to show you yeah. how serious yeah. I am about this? Yep. And you said, sell everything. Yeah. Like, limit access. And I'm like, done. Yeah, you know, awesome. and within a couple of days, it was like everything, like my brand new phone, the laptop, the, the iPad, everything was gone. Wait, can you please speak to someone who's maybe listening right now? And they're like, but my stuff. Sorry, you probably don't actually sound like that. But like, can you mm. tell me, like, why did you do that? Like, why didn't you say my stuff? I mean, internally I did. It was like, oh, there was some sadness. But the most important thing for me was showing you mm. that I hold you in greater esteem than I hold my own stuff and my own comfort and, and porn. Because <laughs> honestly, if I had not gotten rid of everything, like limited all access, I wouldn't have had a, I wouldn't have had a detox from porn because it would have always been in my pocket. And, and B, I would never have realized that my issue wasn't just porn. I was like screen addicted. Like I had three screens on at all times. TV, was watching some inane show. Yeah, you're a three screen guy all the time. I was looking at sports stats. I was like playing silly games on my phone. And that wasn't even like the nefarious stuff. Yeah. And, and so like I was always, always, always looking to distract myself from myself, which is what I, I came to realize. And... Which you didn't even know that in the moment. If someone's listening, they're like, oh, I'm not doing that. Like he couldn't even say, I am addicted to porn. He couldn't say that till like weeks out. Where Probably I was like, months. Yeah. I was, he's like, I don't think so. I think I was okay. And I was like, looking. I'm like, so literally every day I'll like brush your teeth. This is like your, this is what you did. And he's like, yeah, but like until you detoxed, you couldn't even see the level that you were addicted. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, yeah, for me, I, I needed that. Yeah. And I'm a fairly like disciplined, like yeah, if are. I put my mind to something, I, I can be pretty strong willed. Yep. I could not do it. And honestly, like if this is your struggle, man, cut, cut ties, cut, like throw it, throw all the stuff away, get a dumb phone for six months. Yeah. You know, if you, you, if you have to do stuff like for work on a computer, do it at work or at a library somewhere where it's not like a laptop in your room by yourself. Like put those limitations on because you need that for your brain chemistry to like settle down. Yeah. But then also like to know like this is not just a porn. It's not just a sex issue. It's not just like a, an arousal desire. It is, there is an emotional undercurrent to everything that we do. And if you can't, identify that because you're always so distracted by screens, you're not going to be successful. Mm. You can hold on for however long you want to hold on, but the real core issue is still there. And so if you're changing it from porn to workaholism, to being a fitness nut, to being some whatever other acceptable addiction there is out there, if the question remains unanswered, you will run to something. Which the question is, 
does God desire me? That was yours. That was for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Matt. Um, My question, the core need in my heart, and I'll do mine a bit faster, but I'm glad we land like leaned into yours, Matt. Uh, But I want to have time for questions. My core question since birth and the need that depletes the fastest is, does anyone see me? This need to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the the cry of my heart. And, you know, growing up with uh, 11 other siblings, which I loved and still love, <laughs> if you've got a billion, this is not causation. But for me, it was like, and maybe my Enneagram 4 self, but I just have this desire to be seen. And it's hard to be seen with mm-hmm. 11 other siblings. And, and then, too, just inside of me, Lori, like I just... I don't know. I I just didn't see myself as someone who mattered. Like, which again, we talked recently about a core lie that we share. I think the three of us do like, am I, I'm worthless. I shared that too in my own version, but it just like, I'd look at my other siblings and they're so amazing and they still are. And they're like the funny one. That's the funny one. And that's the like smart one. And that's the other super smart one. (laughs) That's the athlete. And I remember like looking inside my own self and being like, I kind of just see myself as an outline, like, like a cookie cutter, like an outline. Like there's nothing inside of me. Like I remember thinking that I was nine years old, standing in our old nursing home house. We had an old <laughs> nursing home that we turned into a house. And I had this thought of everyone in my home and I was like, I don't really matter. Uh, and so I have, if you guys look at the map, so that's the core need, the sin nature. I had this default because of the fall to get that good need in my heart seen met in ways that don't actually satisfy me and don't glorify God. So that's what the sin nature is natural defaults because of the fall to get those good needs of our heart met in ways that don't satisfy us actually and don't glorify God. So I went to performance, get good A, all A's. I went to people pleasing. Oh, maybe this will make my family laugh. Um, Or Steve, we're often talking about old radio drama mm-hmm. days. So does, does Steve think I'm okay? Does producer Steve, am I doing okay in my radio drama? You know, so it's, but it's natural. It's natural to me mm-hmm. to get those good needs met in ways that don't satisfy and don't glorify God. And another one like Matt, very similar, is in uh, sexual relationships to women. And I felt that from a young age. And I say this often, I was perhaps born that way. We all are mm-hmm. born in ways because of the fall to get those good needs met. Don't satisfy and don't glorify. So I'd feel that. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like, this is a sin struggle. I need to surrender to the Lord. It was like, uh-oh, this is like the worst, 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 worst one. You know, I'd overhear radio, like this is the gay agenda and this war on marriage. And it wasn't like, oh, surrender this to Jesus. It was detach it from my person and like fragment yourself because it's just so bad. Like, I don't even remember consciously thinking to do that. I just, duh, don't cut it off. Don't think about it. But then in college, I met someone who felt the same way about me as I did about her. And I didn't mean for it to happen, but it turned into a same sex relationship. And I felt seen and known and loved in then until I didn't. Cause the truth is if we look to anyone or anything, mm-hmm outside of God. And if we go outside of this beautiful way that he's created the world, um, it's going to just entrap us. 
So that doesn't mean, well, if I had been addicted to a man, that would have been better. If I'd been in an opposite sex relationship, that would have satisfied. No, but that would have because it was an alignment to God's design. If I had been in a relationship with a man, a healthy one, I could have looked through them more easily to God who sees me. But because I was sinning, it was like, what did I hear? It's like plaque in your arteries, like sin. It just, it kept the love from getting into my heart. And it wasn't like everything, it wasn't like all terrible, bad, horrible. I think that's just like such a lie. It's like, oh, sin, it's everything's horrible. Like, no, there were some good pieces, but I was living outside of God's best. So that was a big hot mess. And how did I discover like you, Matt, was someone coming alongside me as I wrestled with either killing myself or coming out as an atheist lesbian. And I always say atheist because I actually believed the historical biblical view of marriage and sexuality. I was like, yeah, that's pretty clear to me in the Bible, actually. I just didn't think I could live my life without Mm -hmm. like hating myself. Like, so if that was what I believed, it was going to be a hard life, like unbearable. So I meet someone, woman who discipled me, and another spirit-filled person. So for those of you who are counselors, therapists, spiritual direct, just people who are disciples making disciples, bless you. Uh, But she came alongside me and taught me to feel, not shame what I was running toward, but understand why I was running there. So Lori... That woman, any woman, I'd broken up with my girlfriend since then, and I had actually dated Matt for a hot second, and that was sweet. We'll talk more about that later. Broken up with him, but then when we broke up, it was like God pushed pause on our relationship, and I was like, I don't know what that was, but women, that's it. I'm Every minute of every day, I'm like, that's what I need. But she said, even if you find that ideal woman, will she ever, like, what do you picture happening? I was like, eh, that's weird don't talk to me. You're 65. Let's not talk about that. Then I was like, wait, the words that came out of my mouth were not sexual words. It was heart language. It's like, well, I just really want to be looked in my eyes and like seen and known and loved. And like, as I am, she's like, and I felt shame, shame, shame. And she's like, looks me in the eye. And she's like, that's a good need. You're just taking it to the wrong place. And so she taught me what the safe place prayer that we've done here, guys, you can dig that up. I think it's episode maybe 60 something. Um, she taught me lament. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, and guys, if you want, oof, this is honestly, I'm just, I wrote the journey well study as a gift for you guys. It's my story with Carolyn, this woman. Um, and I, I teach you, how to do what she did with me. We talk about core needs. We talk about this heart map and we talk about how to lament. Y'all can go get it. It's on Amazon right now. <laughs> Just search journey. Well, Lori Krieg, uh, or you can go on our site. It's a little bit on back order TBH to be honest with you for some reason to get the 30% off. So you can order it there, but you'll probably get it by the end of January. But anyway, how to go about that. You can read it. But she really taught me to feel those good needs in my heart and connect them to the need meter of my soul. And I found myself joyful and filled, not every minute of every day, but even one out of 20 times of seeking God. It was like enough of a foretaste of what we will experience in eternity forever that I was like, I'm in. (laughs) 
I'll be single and celibate and this is my life. I'll go get my doctorate. And then God put his hand on my shoulder and said, I have someone for you. And he didn't have me fall in love with all men. He had my heart connect to Matt. And um, happily ever after. The end. Okay, guys, we didn't write another book after that. You hear the mess of it, <clears throat> but we did. Um, so that's our stories and we're sticking to it. But uh, we want to hear some of your questions right there at the end of this of, you, uh, we get a lot of premarital questions. There are more of you out there who are trying are wondering about this mixed orientation marriage is what it's called, what we're doing. I don't know. I hate labels, which maybe just shows my Enneagram fourness so much. Matt, you don't either. And you're a nine, but you reject all boxes and numbers. And all the boxes <clears throat> are great, but there are no walls between them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hmm. We are the world. Okay. So, um, uh, anyway, so we want to answer some of your questions. So here's the first one. I am a not straight person dating someone who is straight. When and how do I tell them my story? Uh, I'll share a little bit from my perspective and then Matt, I'd love to hear yours. So uh, this was me. We were friends six months, maybe ish. Yeah. About that. Um, and then we started this super messy dating relationship. I was still like with my girlfriend, uh, mess, mess, mess. Again, you can read some of that in the journey well study. Um, but I said, I was like, we got to a point where it was clear Matt was interested in me. And I was like, yeah, um, let me tell you some things and we'll see if you're still into this game. Cause I, my heart was drawn to yours. Like it was weird, it, uh, which you could call it the Holy spirit or whatever. Uh, that's really, I, I know it was God bringing us together. So it's like, huh, other guys are, ugh. but something about you, but you're going to have to see if you're in. So I, I said, I'll tell you something in like a month. And so we prayed for like a month. And what did you think I was going to tell you? I had no idea. Like literally you had no guesses. You didn't even guess. Like not at all. Wow. Like, anything. I, I thought you were going to tell me in a month that you weren't interested in me. Honestly, oh, that's, that's what I thought, but yeah, that's because of my, wound. like, yeah, that's my own wounding. Oh. Didn't matter like how nice you treated me. I was prepping myself for the, I just want to be friends oh. type, of, type of response, which if that was your response, Hey, great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I had no idea. So the month goes by and I was like, I had people praying and I was really praying and I journaled this. I can find the journal right now where I just said, no matter what, if Matt rejects me or not, you don't reject me, Lord. And that's critical. So for whoever asked this question, just know that though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me, it says in Psalms. So just have people praying, just have people who have your back. And then this is my line I used and I still offer it to others is, I need to share something with you and it might not be easy for you to hear just a good starter line. And then I don't, I didn't say I'm gay. I just said, here's my story. Um, I also, again, I don't like labels. I don't really say anything. I am child of God. And this is my, what I experience. It's not because I don't like people who say I'm gay. I don't, whatever. I don't, I just choose not to fight that. And for me, it's not helpful for me when I use the I am language. It makes my life harder because I start posturing myself in relationships to women in ways that other people wouldn't notice 
but the Holy Spirit would, and I do. And that's enough conviction for me. So I just say, this is my experience. And so I shared with you my story. And we, so again, this is like six, seven months in mm-hmm. and not even dating yet. But if you are dating, you know, just praying for them, say, I want to share something with you, setting a date and time, having people pray for you, starting with that line or something similar, and then just share your story. And then, um, I know I said to you, Matt, I was like, Hey, do you have any questions? Uh, what, what do you think people should share with the, if they're not straight talking to the straight person, like what, what's critical for the straight person to know? I, th- I think it's, and it's not just a, in this situation, I think anything that is a, you know, a potential kind of relational issue, if you're moving, like if you're dating and if you're considering like, am I going to see this person as someone I can marry? Like once, once they've reached this point of like, you really trust them. Like, I feel like they, they should know because otherwise if, if they don't know. Oh yeah. Like, and it's just this kind of, not even like a bait and switch, but if it's like a, they, they're just surprised by it. They're, they're kind of Mm -hmm. caught off guard, especially if this is like years into the dating relationship or years into marriage, like there's a lot of questioning that can happen. And, and I know that for me, like there was this immediate response of, I don't see you any differently yeah, that than was I, huge. than I did before. And it was, it was something that I was just like, I, I had honestly never like really been in a, a deep like friendship even with someone who had same sex attraction or someone who was gay. And so for me, like that was even like a surprising revelation for myself. Cause that's not, I mean, I, I grew up standard nineties boy, mm. you know, that I was, was not woke to this conversation yeah. in the Bordering slightest. on homophobic. Yeah. And, yeah. And, mm. and so for me, it was this very, very big realization. Like, wow, I, not even that matters to me. Like I still see you in the, in a very, very high regard. Yeah. Um, and so for, for the person kind of on the receiving end, I, it was important for me to know because it, it, a, it showed that you trusted me. So it was important to you for you to just know in general. Yeah. Yeah. And, and B it like, it had helped me to kind of wrap my head around of, okay, is this still a relationship that I want to pursue? Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, like, I mean, when you're sharing something like this it, and, and like I went through this same thing when I was sharing my porn issues with you, I thought you were gone. I was like envisioning. You thought I'd leave you. I was envisioning you being yeah. out the door. Yeah, I wanted like, the same. And, yep. and you know what? That's the reality for a lot of people that yeah. are married and, and have gone through this. Not there's, Especially with the lying. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I feel like any of these issues that it's always fearful. Yeah. It's always fearful to share something that's kind of this this place of of deep kind of personal and in our cases there was shame involved for both of us, you know, that it's in that openness that unfortunately you could get rejected. You know, but as you said, even though your father and mother, even though anyone in the world may reject you, God won't. But it's also in the space of being open that if someone can look at you and say, I love you just the same. Like that, that some of that, some of that shame can be lifted, especially, you know, in that relationship. And there is more openness that, that can happen there. You might want to address things in this conversation too. Like I said, Hey, any questions you have for me, 
anytime, please do. And that was the same when you came forward with your pornography addiction. Mm -hmm. But I, I also said like, Hey, this is, I still like you and like explain, you know, if you're the one, the not straight person sharing this, like explain what that means. Like, so that they don't have that question. Cause that's hard. They don't want to offend you. And this conversation is everyone gets so offended all the time. So just say, Hey, I won't be offended. And let's just address some of the elephants in the room. I still like you. And Hey, when I'm hanging out with my best friend, this is, this is what's not happening. And this is, you know, I'm not like, even now I'll tell Matt, like if, friends I'm hanging out with are more of an issue or not for me. And this is 13, 14 years into knowing and walking with each other. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so just to be real about that and just, just to help to alleviate any of the anxiety, but then to just always be letting yourself be willing in an open book um, to those questions, just because it's weird. It is weird. We get that. It's weird and it's hard. And so, um, but it's not impossible, <laughs> impossible marriage book. Um, sorry, that's the name of our marriage book that's coming out. <laughs> it isn't with Jesus. And if God's calling you to it, which takes me to the next question, hang on, wait, before we move on to the next question, if you guys are listening and you're like, ah, I'm married and I didn't tell my spouse or I'm just realizing this, um, or this is the premarital Q and a, so I just, there's nothing God can't redeem. Listen to the the conversation we had with Brad Claver. Uh, that's the Broken Beloved Pastor series. But I just, I see you. Hello. Please don't drink any shame. We're glad you're here. Uh, and if you have questions you want us to address, hit us up and we'll do another episode um, and maybe get someone else to talk about it. Okay. Question two. I'm a not straight person dating someone who is. How do we know if getting married is right for us? Uh, I started thinking about this, just some of the necessary elements. This was just, I don't know if this is like marriage 101 or mixed orientation marriage 101. I don't know. So this was for us. These were important elements. And I mean, Steve, you're welcome to chuck stuff in. Uh, Matt, you as well. Um, One of the first things that attracted me to Matt was our ability to communicate. I don't know if you guys have this where you like the sender receiver message. You like send it and you're like, wow, that ended up in Antarctica. (laughs) I meant for Taiwan, you know, where they're not actually getting it. But I remember us like fighting early on and I like said something and you're like, yes, I get that. And you said something back. And I was like, what the, (laughs) this is like breaking some of my paradigms of men, like being able to communicate emotionally and like you got it. So I think being able to communicate doesn't have to be perfect, but I think that's a huge piece. Um, This is something I've been thinking about is instead of looking for a finished sculpture, look for a good block of marble. Uh, and that was something I noticed about Matt too, is he was teachable. Any thoughts on that, Matt? Cause I don't want it to be like, and this is what I liked about you only any out. I don't know. I, I feel like the, the biggest thing that, that drew me to you, you know, cause even, even that, like it wasn't just like this physical attraction thing for me. Like it really mm-hmm. was. Um, you were the first person that, that I had ever met that I was like, I, want to like, I don't want to be with other people. I I want to like be with you. Like I was, I was the kind of person that kind of, I don't know, wanted to, to chase. But then once it was like, it's starting like to become a real relationship. I was like, ah, no, I want my freedom. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was that guy and I grew some of the pain that I've caused people. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but with you, there was this like, there was this like truly friendship. Like yeah. I just, I enjoyed 
being with you. I enjoyed spending time with you, whether it was playing sports, whether it was sitting on your garage in the middle of a lightning storm, probably not the safest thing in the world. No, and talking <laughs> for hours, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I think, yes, that communication, but then just that, like, the there is just a joy in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Not that bad stuff can't happen and there can't be pain in it. Yeah. But there was just this this joy. It is kind of funny hearing you say, though, because people will be like, oh, Lori, you weren't, you know, you're not attracted to guys, but you were attracted to Matt. It's funny. You weren't naturally attracted to me. Like, I'm not your type. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it's it, like it was this heart thing like that God, you know, did. Anyway, yeah, which some on what you were just saying, Matt, that heart connection. I just remember thinking that in dating. I was like, it's like we have the same heart like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. That we just, I don't know, just, it, it just are, we cried over the same things, maybe not cry yet, but when we laughed over the same things, which is the next one humor, um, we just, that's, it's still now like you guys, if you follow us on social media, <laughs> we've been doing these stupid blanket dances and like we did one recently in Coles of where we love Coles so much. Like it is we're we weird just together. are so weird. Excuse and it's, me. Something logging into Facebook right now. Is that, <laughs> yeah. Have you posted that yet? <laughs> the Coles one. That one I missed. If you're on Instagram, I did make it one of my Instagram like oh. saved stories. We just walked through Coles and said how much we love it. These are the greatest. <laughs> These The blanket dance <laughs> are the greatest videos on the internet today. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I need to do one behind the scenes. Guys, if you haven't seen it, just find us on the socials. <laughs> But we did when we were at the Creation Museum. It, there was like this Mennonite guy who came up to Matt in his blanket and he's like, Hey, so um, what's with the coat? And Matt's like, It's a blanket. And he's like, Oh, so what are you doing with it? And he's like, We just like to be weird. He's like, Oh, I thought you were part of a religious sect or something. And he's like, No. We just like to be weird. <laughs> yeah. mm. Oh, just so, weirdness? Not interested. Yeah. No, no. His next question was, <laughs> how did you end up being you? Yeah, I just <laughs> like referred this. to all this. It was like anyway, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was hilarious. So <laughs> how did we, I don't know, God just brought it together. But it's just, those are ways, even in some of our marriage, like super fiery hell, for lack of a better term, there were those moments where it was like, oh yeah, we still laughed at the same second. Mm-hmm. Same pace or rhythm of life. That's a big, like similar ways to recharge. That was huge for us. Goals. You know, this is the whole, when we did our France Chan, you and me forever series, just that we were both on mission and um, we broke up for a season. When we got back together, I just got this picture of the Lord. I'm like, I don't know. You want me to get married? That's what you have for me. I'm like, I don't even know who. And I just got this picture of me running the race and looking over and just who's running next to me. And I think that's, you know, is this person running with you toward Jesus? And maybe they're not, you know, the exact same pace. But if you're like the good block of marble mm-hmm. and they're starting to run like that, that if God's calling you to marriage, that could be a good partner. Yeah. Well, and that's ultimately what it's about. Is yep. God calling you to marriage and is God calling you to marriage with this person? Yep. You know, because there are, there's a lot of people out there that we all get married a little bit dysfunctionally. Or a yes, lot of it do. dysfunctionally, <laughs> yep. you know, but if, if God is calling you to it for yes. a reason for, for his glory, you know, then, then there will be joy involved in the marriage as well. There could also be some immense pain, but if God is with you in it, you, you're going to make it through. Yep. All right. We're going to do the last one. 
of this little series. Maybe we'll hit it up again. Uh, just email us or something. If you're like, yes, we love it when you do questions. Or if you don't, just be kind about that. <laughs> but if you like that, then send us questions and tell us that. Okay. Last one is, in consideration of a gospel-centered marriage, how important is attraction to a soon-to-be spouse? Like, is it imperative, important, not so important? Matt, you'd start this one off. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I don't, I don't know if I'm like super equipped to, to answer this because yeah. like I am, I am attracted to you. But you and said you didn't start that it didn't, way. It didn't start with this like sheer animalistic type of like magnetism or yeah. whatever, but, but it, it did grow and there mm -hmm. was this like attractive friendship. And so, you know, we say, okay, how important is attraction? And obviously the inference is how important is physical attraction? Yeah. And, and I think there, there are, well, there are different kind of, ramifications of, of not being physically attracted versus being physically attracted. So, so one of the ways that I feel like we started off on a really good note was the fact that we did not base our initial relationship on just a physical, like longing for one another and by or whatever. Just a, we had decided, uh, we were not going to kiss until our wedding day. And some of that was in breaking up with my girlfriend, I was like, I don't want to just numb out on hormones. Like, yeah, I get it. I'm not attracted to guys, but there's something about this Matt guy. And like, I didn't want to just be like, well, hormones numb you out. <laughs> like I can just shove down that pain with just making out with this guy or whatever. So I didn't want to do that. And so I actually wanted to get to know his heart for his heart. And so that was something we decided. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And so I guess one of the dangers of basing your marriage on physical attraction is the fact that, hey, once that attraction wanes. And it will, and it no will, matter how straight you are. Like, yes, Steve is nodding. Yeah. <laughs> like th then you're then you're left with like the the personality, the the relationship, the communication, all these the other mission. things, the mission, like the God's call on your life that are going to have to be the basis of that relationship. Yep. And it's not just going to be like a, I'm super attracted to you. You're hot. Like, hey, you're hot, I'm hey, hot. Let's up? get married. Yeah, no. And it, it's not like that. And so I feel like not having this like overtly like attraction charged, like yeah. physical attraction charged relationship in the beginning set us up to know how to do that in marriage. That now, true. I will say that, that for, especially if the, um, if the same sex person, same sex attracted, attracted person, person mm -hmm. in, in the relationship is the man, I, there, there are just some things that once marriage happens can be hard, can be harder yeah. you know, because of how, you know, sex works and arousal and all that kind of stuff, which can bring about other, other places of pain and shame and, and shame and guilt and just distance. And so just to keep that in your mind. Like it, it's not, it's not a no, it's not a deal breaker. It's not a deal breaker. I don't, I don't believe it is. And I think there's a lot of things that people like, I think it's the shame and that guilt and the feelings of like being rejected over and over either, you know, by the spouse or, you know, whatever. Yeah, like that just make it worse. That, that feeds into this distance that can form when the expectation is sex is going to work a hundred percent of the time perfectly. And, and that the men always want it and everything's going to be great, especially for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. When, when a hundred percent of the time people I've talked to for the male or the female, an emotional connection with their spouse makes it more possible. Yep. So if you are the same sex attracted spouse or fiance or whatever, 
it is you're not doomed and really drinking that shame for your breakfast lunch and dinner is mm-hmm. only going to make it worse so if you're like you know what that helped me that who i'm not ready to dive to be honest with you guys in um the sexual relationship conversation piece on the podcast yet but maybe i will be it's in the memoir or in our book so i'm gonna have to be at some point uh but i will say when i still if i drink shame it makes things it compounds it Mm -hmm. so much worse and so it helps to just self-talk uh to just say you know what this is hard and you know what even that phrase we've said on here steve that you said back to us when we episode 24 and 34 just that we're working on our metaphor i still say that to myself because this isn't the easiest place for us but if i can say you know what we've got time and we're just still working on our metaphor. So if you're the male, if you're the female, if you guys are working on this, to give yourself grace. And then if you are the straight spouse, I cannot tell you how precious Matt's shame removal of me has been and his seeing me and even saying that to me, Lori, we've got time. It's okay. I'm with you in this. Like, so... If this question was referring to attraction and specifically sexual attraction, it's the heart stuff that can lead to the physical. Mm. But even if it doesn't, can we just give ourselves grace today? Mm. And there's not a scorecard. You do, there's not a scorecard for you guys, mm-hmm. for us. It's just, are you working on your metaphor? Ooh, this got serious. Good questions, guys. Keep sending them to us and we'll keep doing these sort of episodes. Um, so... Like I said, that Journey Well study, if you guys want it, if you want it for that 30% off for the month of January. Uh, I mean, if it was me, this is the book I wished I would have had to read. Mm. You can go find it, lorikrieg.com. Uh, it's with, I wrote it, but with Matt's help, I literally, it took me like a decade to do because <laughs> there are lots of rounds that I needed to trash. Uh, but you can learn some of this marriage journey. You can learn some of this heart stuff. Um, yeah, so go for that. Or you can find it and get it in two days on Amazon Prime. So you can do that if you don't want the discount. So mm-hmm. I actually ordered one for myself because I don't have the stock yet on Amazon. <laughs> Thanks, Amazon. You run the world. Okay. Uh, our question of the week for next week, which we said last week, last year, uh-huh, uh, is what are you nerdy about? We want it. Send it to us. We want to hear yours. Guys, we say this all the time, but we love you. Thanks for being a part of the podcast, fam, and we will see you next week. Steve. Yeah. Yes. So Aaron Schust uh-huh. and that rendition of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Yeah. I was about to text you, but I was also driving saying... <laughs> Like, is this the new podcast theme music? Because <laughs> oh. there was some heavy like violin yes. segments in it. And it was also, I'm like, this is, I'm not a huge fan. What? Of what? Of um, a certain rendition of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, mm. which is my favorite Christmas yeah, song. Oh, mine, mine too. Mine too. But, but the Aaron Schust version is not my favorite. O Come. What is it? Okay. <clears throat> Can we just pause and back what? up? What? Um, that we've got yet another thing, which is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is like my favorite Christmas song. Oh. 
Oh, you yeah. You just said it's yours. Yeah. Is it, it everybody's? Be. It is the best one. Oh, okay. Well, All right. No, you oh, like, you no like what do I like? Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy you? Night. No, yeah, you. that's not my favorite. Okay. Why is it your favorite, nerds? <laughs> that's all I just call you. Is there something about, what is it about your you-ness that makes you like that song? For me, it is. <laughs> your that you-ness. <laughs> Sorry. Is that, <laughs> what is it about my me-ness? <laughs> <laughs> Careful. 